acted A. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fun Now Final Bell here on the Real Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. To say that this uh, weather system that is moving through going unnoticed by the folks in Chicago, eh, probably not happening. We're talking some wind damage talks in the winter wheat market. Definitely seeing some sharply lower prices in the wheat trade. Everybody's watching what's happening with this weather as dryness continues, though they're talking thunderstorms and tornadoes and everything else throwing in together add to that we're going to look at what's going on in this corn market as they go on the sideways trade not because of the wind but the fed meeting wrapping up as well lots of things that we're going to look at plus the downward turn in the livestock trade as arlen suderman joins us today he is with stonex so arlen let's talk about this sharply lower wheat price and what we're seeing weather-wise in the state of kansas and, and northern yeah, if you, first of all, everyone, I hope they're being safe out there. This is no fun to see this type of weather system come through the farm country. Um, it's it's not safe out there, but you've got to be out there, and I just hope everyone takes precautions. Uh, it isn't over yet, and we've already seen some 70, 80-mile-an-hour wind gusts in, in Kansas. Uh, we've seen 100-plus-mile-an-hour wind gusts in eastern Colorado, specifically 107-mile-per-hour wind gusts at Lamar, Colorado, that I noticed. Uh, and, and it's all moving to the north and the east. And overall, our partners over at Commodity Weather Group estimate that these extreme wind conditions are going to adversely affect about two-thirds of the U.S. hard red winter wheat crop. So that's a lot of wheat that's going to be vulnerable. What's the damage to it going to be? It's literally going to have to let the dust settle before we start to get an idea of it, but it'll still have some lingering effects. Uh, obviously, much of the area it's moving through right now has been very dry. In fact, if you look at that area, uh, moisture since November 1 is the second lowest of the last 40 years for the period of time. And we've been having above normal temperatures throughout as well to keep the crop out of dormancy, but also to use up, add to the stress of lack of moisture. Uh, and so a lot of it doesn't have good good cover. And so as a result, we're seeing the dirt move. Fortunately, we hadn't had any snow on it to pulverize the surface, or it'd be even worse. But even some of the pictures that I've seen today show the sky is just black and dark and uh, you can't see far. In fact, uh, uh, one lady sent me a picture uh, from her home out looking out her window in western Kansas, and you couldn't see across the yard. Um, it, it, and it, it's it's just bad, the amount of dust and, and debris that is flying and the amount of damage that's happening right now, uh, be it to the wheat crop, which uh, if this kind of wind can pull the wheat right out of the ground. Static electricity damage is significant to the wheat crop as well. Uh, and then you look at center pivots, uh, cattle, uh, the, the buildings were here in building damage and, and now fires as well. So it's not a good day at all. And I just encourage everyone to stay safe. And as you said, the markets just seem to ignore this. And I think that's because fund managers in New York think, okay, it's windy. So what? Um, they don't really get that. They don't really understand that. And for the wheat market, you really have to go back to last week. Uh, when we had what's called a head and shoulders formation on the charts and we violated the base of that which means that the market was projected to fall considerably lower depending on which market you're looking at uh, and as it's 
gone lower. We've seen the cash market just really catch fire. Mills having trouble originating enough wheat to keep their keep operating, keep moving. And uh, so the cash market and the futures market are going in very much different directions. And I think that'll probably um, the futures market's trying to take care of its chart objective, so to speak, with the amount of fund money in there right now. Um, and uh, once it's done that, um, then I think the cash market and the fundamentals of the cash market will matter more to the wheat market and we'll probably see some good support underneath of it. It definitely has made for, for an interesting uh, type of trade day to day as you watch what's going on in these, this grain complex. And I w- wish we could rewind here probably. Oh, three, four months ago when you and I were talking and, and you brought up the concerns about a, a wheat shortage and some issues that might happen. And, and now we're seeing that. Can we keep up with demand, um, knowing what's happened globally with this wheat crop? Yeah, and fundamentally, we're probably, uh, I am seeing some blame put on the Australian wheat market, which is falling today, because they do have a big crop. They've had persistent rains that have done some damage. There are some quality issues with it. Uh, the protein is expected to be lower as well, uh, although the damage from the persistent rains um, here may not be as bad as what was feared. But at the same time, we're also seeing Russia talk about pulling back what it makes available on the export market. Um, so that probably offsets. And I think overall we're still looking at a tight situation uh, globally for quality milling wheat until we can produce enough to, to get those supplies rebuilt once again. In fact, as a percent of annual usage, we're looking at quality milling stocks at really at generational lows. And um, so with what we're seeing now in the plains, it's a little bit baffling that the market's not at least paying attention to that. What about the sideways trade we're seeing within this corn market? The corn market, yeah, the the job of the corn market is to make sure it maintains a high enough price uh, to pay farmers for planting acreage in 2022 and putting fertilizer on it. And it's doing that job pretty well. But upside is limited by the fact that we still have a 1.5 billion bushel carryout roughly and that doesn't justify rationing demand with higher prices so uh, every time the market falls we see buyers come in but when it rises it hits that ceiling and that it bounced against that ceiling today couldn't get through it and so we saw some profit taking but the losses are rather minimal all right, well, stick around, folks. We do have a lot more coming up as we will continue with the second half of the Fontenelle Final Bell. We'll take a look at what's going on with the feds as they wrapped up their meetings today and a look at what's happening on the cattle side of the cash market as well. More is coming up. It is the Wednesday version of the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. Time for another Fontenelle feature. I'm Joe Gangwish with Fontenelle Hybrids. Let's visit with Chris Ross. He's a Fontenelle dealer near Plattsmouth, Nebraska. And Chris, you've been in the seed business for over 40 years. What do you enjoy most about working with Fontenelle Hybrids? A lot of the guys that I work with, I have sold seed to their fathers and their grandfathers, so it goes back many years. I think when a grower calls me and says that he's getting the best yields that he's ever gotten on a farm, uh, it really is a very rewarding experience. It makes you feel really good about yourself and about the product. Chris, what makes Fontenelle stand out among the seed landscape out there? 
Fontenelle has always treated their people with the greatest respect, in my opinion. So it, they're kind of unique in that way. And then when you put that together with the excellent product line that, that they have, uh, it really is a pretty unbeatable match. Well, for more on being part of the Fontenelle family, you can contact Chris Ross in the Plattsmouth area or your local Fontenelle dealer. With this Fontenelle feature, I'm joking. Yeah. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as we continue to take a look at the happenings of markets today with Arlen Suderman. Again, Arlen is with Stonex. Let's talk about this Fed meeting. Anything exciting that brewed that might have a factor played uh, from a livestock and grain perspective? Well, the Fed finally acknowledged that uh, inflation is real and is persistent. And it has officially retired the word transitory, which we told it to do at the first of the year last winter. Um, so they're acknowledging the problems now with inflation and they're moving much quicker moving forward. They're still expecting full employment here in the year ahead as well. And so the expectation is now, or what they've said they're going to do, is finish their tapering by March instead of June. That that doesn't mean they're shrinking their balance sheet. That means they're just no longer growing it after March, no longer injecting additional money in. They're still have all the money that was already in the economy still there. They haven't withdrawn any of it yet. And they haven't really talked about when they're going to withdraw it or if they're going to withdraw it. But they are looking at interest rate hikes. Uh, we're looking at maybe uh, three rate hikes if they're all 25 basis points in next year, maybe another three the year after, uh, maybe a couple more the year after that. So we're talking about a period of higher interest rates coming. That's been the expectation. The question is, have they waited too long? And so will they have to get more aggressive uh, on those interest rate hikes? And that could have some significant implications for the markets. As I watched when that statement came out, I didn't see any major moves in the grain and oil seeds. What I did see happen, though, is a stock market move positive. Stock market liked what it saw from the Fed, um, and so it moved higher, and that tends to be good for the meat complex overall. And uh, so when the stock market is doing well, consumer confidence tends to be well, and people who still have a lot of cash from the stimulus programs tend to be more willing to spend more money on those higher cuts of meat. Having said that, we look at the, this what's happening in this cash cattle market. We continue to see the drop back on the price. Are we going to see a rebound, or are we just going to continue to slowly pull back until we hit the new year? Yeah, I think the cash market's going to struggle into the end of the year. Uh, we've got a couple holiday shortened to slaughter weeks coming up. Uh, Christmas will be the biggest cuts. New Year's, though, we're going to see some cuts there as well. Um, and uh, so that reduces the amount of cattle, backs us up a little bit more. Uh, there's some formula cattle available now, and the packers seem to have bought what they need. It, it, when you look at how retailers are stocking up for the holiday season, they've done that. So that demand is in our rearview mirror now uh, from the packer standpoint. And uh, so uh, it looks soft in the near term, and we'll have to get past the first of the year and see where we're at, what it's going to take to get current once again. Demand, though, um, from consumers at some point, are they going to say enough's enough on these prices? 
Yeah, that's a real question. We saw a retail sales report out today that showed uh, less growth than what was anticipated in retail sales in November. But that comes off, that's a month-on-month less growth. And remember, October, we saw tremendous growth. And a lot of that, I think, was people pulling their Christmas shopping up into October because they'd been warned about all the supply shortages and how you need to get it done early. So we still had growth in November. So the reason I bring that up is we're looking for signs that the consumer is starting to pull back in their spending, and we're really not seeing it yet. In fact, if you look at the fourth quarter to this point, it looks like even stronger consumer spending than what we saw in the third quarter. So I think that bodes well for meat purchases going forward in the next year, particularly if the Fed is able to start reining in inflation and win back some consumer confidence on that end. From a hog perspective... They've been on the struggle bus for a while and continue to be so. Yeah, they they really are, and we saw more weakness there today. Some of that early on was because of sell-off in the stock market. Um, and, of course, the meat market, the protein markets closed just as the Fed statement was coming out. So we'll see tomorrow how they react. But also some discouraging word out of China. China seemed to do what they want when it comes to trade policy, and they announced that they're going to raise their tariff for most favored nation status on pork from 8% to 12%. So they're raising their import tariffs for pork coming into the country by 50% uh, on the most favored nation status, which means they're a developing country that needs more help is what they're saying there. And I think a lot of people would argue with that, but that is a reality of it right now. And that means we're likely to see even slower rate of pork shipments into China going forward. Lots of things happening within these markets. And, of course, folks can follow you on Twitter and other sources as well. What is the best way, Arlen, for folks to get a hold of you? Well, they can uh, look find me on uh, on our website at stonex.com or on Twitter, as you mentioned, twitter.com. And my handle is Arlen, A-R-L-A-N-F-F-101. Well, that is today's Fontenelle Final Bell. As always, commodity futures and options involve a substantial risk of loss, and they're not suitable for all investors. To reiterate what Arlen said to all our listeners out there, please be safe as these storms continue to move through today. That's the Fontenelle Final Bell, brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Pro Radio Network. SB